everyone. You're listening to Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two best friends recap romance novels and connect via a shared love of love stories with happy endings. We're going to start off with a Patreon shout out. Winnie L., you are an Undine, an ancient Greek water nymph who inspired the story of The Little Mermaid. You hang out in waterfalls and pools, and you are inextricably linked to water, which is believed to be a female element. You have a beautiful singing voice that is said to sound like moving water. Undines are inherently immortal, but they're born without a soul. An Undine can only acquire a soul by falling in love with a human, but to find her soul, she must sacrifice her immortality. If that isn't fodder for an epic fantasy romance, we don't know what is. We've got so much to offer you on our Patreon. So head over to patreon.com forward slash heaving bosoms podcast to check it out. You will not regret it. And now I'm so excited to bring you this episode. This week, I recap The Highlander's Touch by Karen Marie Moaning with a very special guest. Here we go. Hi, Lauren. Hi. (laughs) How are you? I'm wonderful. I cannot tell you how excited I've been to record this episode with you. I'm stoked. I'm wonderful. How are you? I am more excited than you are because (laughs) I have been waiting for this for months and months. I have been telling everyone I know. I've been recruiting people to the cult, so I feel like I've done very well in that. You have. A lot of weird preschool teachers have joined the cult because of me. (laughs) That's perfect. Um, Yes. But I'm just so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Should we tell a listener why you're here? Oh, yeah. Hi, listener. I (laughs) am. I am listener. I am you. I am one of you. I am here. But I don't really know why I'm here. I'm here by accident because I did not win the prize (laughs) on the auction for democracy to come on the podcast. But then, if you, I don't know if you'll remember, it was in uh, November, there was an election that happened that was kind of a big deal around oh, here, yeah. and somebody didn't concede, and I was like, I'm going to be a good sport. I'm going to like write something nice to the winner. So I went on Facebook, and I was like, hey, I was the one who didn't win, but congratulations. And then you reached out because I wrote right. that and invited me, the not winner, to still come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were so honored on our end because the romancing, the runoff auction, our item went into like, I don't know, triple or quadruple overtime because you Uh and another bidder were just like (laughs) in it to win it. And so you posted Mm -hmm. that and I was like, Erin, we have to have Lauren on. We have to. And she was like, I completely agree. So yeah. So I we we reached out and um, now you're here. I was so sad when I lost. I told you I post made a donuts in the middle of the night, but then those became, they turned from sadness donuts into victory donuts. Celebration donuts, the best kind. (laughs) So tell me about your romance journey. Okay. Well, I am a lifelong romance reader. Yeah. I used to go to Goodwill with my mom and my sister 
we before, every summer we would drive up to Montana for vacations. So we'd buy yeah. all the books we could find because they're like 25 cents. And that's where I discovered romance novels. So we would just buy a shit ton of them. <laughs> and I fell in love with them, but I was always like kind of a slower reader when I was growing up. I sure. hated reading out loud in school. I was <gasps> very too. shy. I was very nervous about it. And I thought, I thought I just wasn't good at it. I thought I didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah, until yeah, yeah. I discovered romance novels. And I was like, oh, wait, I love this. Oh. And then my uh, abilities started picking up. I started getting better and better at it. So I kind of really credit romance novels with teaching me to love reading. And now I'm a huge nerd and I read all the things. Oh, my gosh. I love that <laughs> so much. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was the same way in school. I'm I'm still like a pretty slow reader. Mm -hmm. I have to, you know, really focus on it. And audiobooks are wonderful for that reason, especially since I have to read at least a book a week right now. Right. But I also had a really hard time reading out loud. I would get like stage fright just yes. sitting in my desk. And I and then like mentally I would berate myself being like, I know the 13 people that are in this class. Like, mm -hmm. this is not a big deal. What am I doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm so glad that romance novels could be there for you in that way, in addition to like emotional learning. Oh, yeah. And They've been there yeah. for me in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> and this is actually a book that we're going to talk about is one that I read a long ass time ago, like 20 years ago when it came out. Yeah. And it kind of stuck in my brain folds for some reason. I couldn't dislodge it. And yeah. so when I had to try and pick a book, I wanted to pick something that I had read when I was younger. I don't know. Uh huh. No, yeah. And, uh, so this is what happened. <laughs> it was such a good choice. Like, I've been so thankful to okay. you all week while reading it because you stumbled upon the genre that I, like, I, I didn't know I loved until the podcast, which is historical paranormal. So that's where we're at mm -hmm. right now. And it is very exciting. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like the rare historical that's not super rapey. Totally. Huh? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, the consentedness yeah. is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Okay, so we're we read The Highlander's Touch by Karen Marie Moaning. And wow, it was amazing. Okay, so should we just start, do you think? Sure. Okay, let's start with the prologue. I guess. All right. <laughs> How many words did you have to look up to the pronunciation? I had to look up more than a few. Oh, really? <laughs> and I like write it out phonetically. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, like they, they're always saying like, by Dunbag, or I don't remember what it actually is. Um, by Dagda. Dagda. That's what it is. Yeah. Which is like, really gonna start saying a lot it's a good one it's a really nice curse it's it one that would be safer good. on my kids too so exactly i'm thinking it's awesome yes okay so we're in 1308 because this mm -hmm. is not only is it a time travel book in actuality it's also a time travel book with tropes heaving bosoms tropes because it's medieval times but it's also highlander times yes and then it's sort of contemporary too wow this book packs a punch. <laughs> okay, so we start off in the prologue, and 
Adam Black is here, and he is oh. obviously something that is not human. He materializes in the Great Hall, and Searson Brody is fucking pissed that he's there. Searson Brody is yeah, the laird. Is. Yeah, he's the laird of the castle, the man of the keep, whatever you say for that. And he's like, what do you want, Adam? You're not supposed to be here. And I don't remember... Like, he just loses the flask, right? All we know is that he loses a flask and he needs to get it back. <clears throat> yeah, so he's, like, he's tasked with protecting these magical objects, which I call yeah. definitely not the Deathly Hollows. Right. <laughs> call them the Hollows. Yeah. So it's four things, but also a fifth thing, apparently, which is a flask. Yeah, and Searson's lost and it. he hides it in a box in the river or something. But he cursed it. Yeah, so he curses this flask and he's like, don't worry about it, Adam. I've got it under control. It's like, you taught me to curse just well enough that I curse this flask so that if anybody ever finds it, the moment they touch it, the flask returns to me. And Adam is like, hmm, how careful were you with your wording? Because if you weren't careful, the person attached to the flask is also going to materialize in front of you. And he's like... God bless Scotland. Oh, no. By Dagda, he says. <laughs> By Dagda. Yeah. And so he's like, okay, that's fine. The, the person... It, the, I really thought, because they, they talk so much about wording, and it never comes back. I really thought it was going to be the reason that he didn't have to kill her. But he's like, okay, I vow to you, I make a solemn oath that I will kill whatever man is carrying mm -hmm. the flask. Oh, yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah. So then what, later, a spoiler alert, she is there and they're like, everybody's like, you got to kill the bitch. And he's yeah. like, yeah, I, I promised I would kill the bearer of the flask. And I was like, no, you did not. You promised to kill the man who brought the flask, Searson. Mm -hmm. But it never, never, ever comes back to no. that. Anyway. He finds another loophole anyways. He does. He just breaks his promise. Like, it's not even, he's not even a loophole. He's just like, fuck it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So then now we're in now times. Hello. It's now times. Yes. And Lisa is walking around with her friend, Ruby. Ruby's the best. Ruby yeah. is the tits. I love our intro to Lisa, who they're like, and she looks really homeless. Yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> Yeah. Somebody like splashes her or something and she's like, mm, what's going on? And he's like, oh, just um, the, a guy's on the phone, I think. And he's like, don't worry about it. It's just a homeless person. And she's like, ah, yeah. I'm not homeless, but like I, I've had it rough. And I, I this is my favorite <laughs> ball cap that my dad gave me the, like, the week before he died. Yeah. And so I wear it all the time. And these are my secondhand clothes because I don't have any monies. And I work two jobs. And Ruby talks about but how she is wearing boots with holes in the bottom, like rain boots with holes in the bottom. Yes. Which really, and like, why, what is the purpose of them, the boots? Yeah. What are you doing? Because the water's doing in there. Uh huh. What are you doing? <laughs> so Ruby, of course, comments and she's like, oh, you know, that if you just, if you just took off the cap and let your flowing flaxen hair down, everyone would know what a beauty you are. And Lisa's like, I'm not a beauty. I work two jobs and I'm downtrodden and my life is terrible and my mom is dying of cancer. Listen, our intro yeah. to Lisa is a big sad. Yeah, wow. she's had it rough. Yeah, so she's working two jobs. She works as a waitress during the day and then she is a night cleaner at a museum because Lisa loves mm -hmm. histories. And she wanted yeah. to learn more 
but she can't she can't afford to go to college. She doesn't have time or money to go to college. She's caregiving for her mom. And so she decided to get a cleaning job at a museum so she could like soak in all the knowledge and read all the plaques. She's memorized all of them. It's adorable, actually. It's very smart, too. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very smart. So, okay, what happens next? She just goes to she goes to the museum, right? And she like falls asleep at work or something. <gasps> she totally and wakes does. up and there's I don't know why she falls asleep at work. <laughs> I mean, she's just tired sauce, you know? So that's true. Yeah, she falls asleep in her like very meticulous boss's office. And so she hears him outside the door with another person. And he's like, God, the maid didn't lock up before she left. I'm going to murder her dead or whatever. And she's like, ah, I'm going to scamper under the desk. And so she hides under the desk. And we watch her like, you know, listen to these two dudes inspect this artifact and they're very serious about the whole thing and they're like we must use the tongs the whole time and we're gonna get it you know certified or verified or whatever you do with artifacts and then they leave they fuck off so she's like man this is exciting i should go like i should just leave he's gonna come back any minute but ooh, i need to see what this thing is or i could touch it yeah (laughs) Yeah, so she's like, tongs be damned. She didn't even think about the tongs, honestly. And she opens up this box, and then she's like, wow, mystical flask, and grabs it. And then she's falling, and she's falling, and she's falling, and she doesn't fall. Exactly. (laughs) And then, poof, puff of smoke, she shows up in the naked man's bath time. Oh, boy. Yep. And he is naked, and he is mad. And he has the mm-hmm. biggest sword and the biggest dick she's ever seen in her life. Yeah. And she looks at it immediately. She's like, I'm dreaming. Better look at that dick first. <laughs> Gotta check out the D. Yep. Yeah, it's great. It's great stuff. <laughs> and so he's he like stands up in his bathtub and he's like, you give me that flask right now or I'll kill you. And he, he puts his sword up to her, the tip of his sword up to her neck. And then it bleeds a little, and she's like, oh, okay, I'll give you the sort of the, the flask right now. And he takes it, and he squirrels it away. And then he comes back, and he's like, oh, no, I have to kill her. But she's so sexy. Look how sexy she is. Oh, no. And does he take her hat, or does it fall off? Yeah, he takes her cap. They keep calling it cap, which oh, yeah. for some reason really bugs me. And she goes, but daddy gave it to me. Yeah. It's from daddy. I hate when people use daddy in, like, a third person. Like, but daddy said. Daddy. You know, like. (laughs) Yeah. Just say my dad. It's quite the exclamation. (laughs) Right. It is quite Mm -hmm. the exclamation. Yeah. So he's like, okay, you want this weird bonnet situation, I guess, and, like, hands it back to her. And then um, he's looking at her in her jeans, and he's like, I can see her entire rump. Oh my God, mm-hmm. what's happening here? And it Meanwhile, is good. He's still naked, I think. And his men are like, you got to kill her because she bears the flask. He never in his life thinks I said it was the man, even though Melody was super sure that was what was going to happen. <laughs> and then he goes back in and they decide like, okay, I'll kill her, but I, I don't have to do it now. That's the loophole you were talking about, right? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like, yeah, I can I can definitely kill her and if if Adam shows up and he's mad about me breaking the oath, I can just say, "No, no, no, I'm totally going to keep oh. the oath." But like later. 
because he also he also had made an oath to his mother that he would never hurt a woman yes. in his life. Yes. Right. And so he's like, which oath? Dueling oaths here. Yeah. May as well yeah. pick the oath that saves the sexy bitch, you know? I mean, yeah. I think it's a good choice. So she hears some men passing. His two his two gents, Duncan and Galen, I think. Mm-hmm. And they're like, man, it's going to be really awkward when he cuts that lady's throat, huh? Whew, man, it's going to be weird. And so she's like, no, no, they're going to, he's going to murder me. So she picks up a chamber pot and he comes in and she thwacks him with it real hard. And then they do mm-hmm. a tussle. And then that turns into a wrestle. And then that turns into a sexy wrestle. Mm-hmm. And then that turns, doesn't he kiss her right now? Yes. Yes. And it's my favorite trope. It's like, kiss the girl to get her to stop beating you up. Yeah. Because <laughs> she was like headbutting him and headbutting him. And he's like, what do I do? I'll yeah. kiss her. <laughs> oh, my God. It was amazing. And I think one of the things I love about this book is that, I don't know, the characters never delude themselves. There's no making a fuss about like, no, there's no way I'm doing it for that reason. Because in his inner monologue, Searson's like, yeah, it was really... It was a really good move to like stun her and get her to stop fighting me. But I can't lie to myself. I've wanted to do it ever since I saw her rump show up in my bathtub. You know, <laughs> like I just I needed to. Man. So he kisses her and she's like, oh, I'm a woozy now. Oh, no, that was so hot. What do I do? And he says he's not going to kill her yet, essentially. And he's like, now you need to go to bed. Go to bed. Get away from me. Right? And he locks her in a room? Yes. Or she says, like, when they're fighting, she says, I can't die now. I haven't even lived yet. Ooh, yeah. And that really strikes. And he's like, whoa, I am intrigued. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. And it really hits him, like, in his heart parts. Mm-hmm. And it comes back. Thank you for, thank you. That was really good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the next scene is, like, she wakes up in the morning. And she's, you know, discombobulated and her hips hurt because of the weird mattress. And it's bad. It's all the way bad all the way around. She's locked in her room and she doesn't know what to do. And so does a kid show up and let her out? Yeah. He's like, oh, I'll help you escape. I'm a mischievous 13-year-old boy. Yeah. Don't think about it too much. I'm just hanging around. Don't think about it too much. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. The Laird doesn't know me. (laughs) Yeah. No big deal. And he helps helps her go to the bathroom in a chamber pot. Yeah. He tells her that they use chamber pots all the time and they always throw it out the Mm -hmm. window all the time. And she's like, oh, God, (laughs) medieval times. Am I right? Oh, no. Right. So she does that. And then finally, she's like, okay, you are going to help me get out of here. But I have nowhere to go. I have no clothes. I have no medieval time monies. If I leave, I won't be able to get the flask back. And she's convinced that the flask will take her back if she touches it again. Even though he's already told Mm -hmm. her, like, that definitely won't happen. Yeah. More than one person has said, that's not how this works. Right. That's not how any of this works. And she says, I think that that is how this works. And I'm going to get that flask and I'm going to touch it. That's right. I'm going to touch all up on it is essentially Mm -hmm. what she thinks. So she's like, this is dumb. I can't leave. So she's like, thanks, you know, precocious kid. I appreciate you, but I'm going to go back to my room. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, uh, make sure to lock the door so the Laird doesn't know I helped you. (laughs) And... 
Now, we're down in the Highland Times courtyard, and there's a swoosh, and a bang, and a slash, mm-hmm. and a stab, and they're doing cling, clang, fighty times practice. So good. So then he looks up and he sees that she has knotted together a bunch of sheets and she's rappelling down the side of the tower so that she can get into the room below. Because her whole thing is, I don't want to leave, but now I just need to find the flask. So I'm going to try to get into his room somehow, find the flask touch it, get the hell back to my mom. Because remember, her mom is dying mm-hmm. and she's her only caregiver. Yeah, so she's all alone now and she yeah. can't stop thinking about how she needs to get back for her mother. Yeah, absolutely. So they all look up and they see her butt yeah. in those jeans again and they're all like, what are those? <laughs> I know, all the men's are like, I can see all of those curves and he's like stop looking at that woman's curves she's my woman don't do it so he goes up there and he confronts her in the room and he's like what the fuck are you doing you could have just asked me you you can't just climb out the side of the window you that was a 50 foot fall and she's like she says something really interesting to me because it also doesn't come back i was certain we were gonna find out about some like rock climbing hobby that she had in her youth or something because she's like that's like not a weird skill from where i come from and i'm like what i i am from now times and uh, i have never gone from a second story to a first story with them with sheets never have i ever no lauren have you um i have not and i've never even thought of it see (laughs) all right listener we've done a very scientific survey of two people and we call (laughs) bullshit on this Mm -hmm. anyway but but something that made me laugh is she totally thought she would get away with it because she says, like, only Lisa and homeless people look up at the sky. Everyone just looks down. I was like, why is she calling herself homeless again? <laughs> I know. Girl, she really needs to treat herself better. I know. She really does. <laughs> oh, oh, he's also very impressed because he says that she has behaved like a warrior. And she's tenacious and he loves her determination. And he can see this fire in her eyes that he really wants to hump a little. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I can't get you home. I've told you this before. I cannot get you home, but I will give you more freedom here. I, you don't have to stay in your room all the time. You know, I'll get you some clothes that are appropriate for now. Oh, because he had no problem believing that she time traveled. He was just like, okay, yeah, totally checks out. Fine. Right. Totally cool. And she's like, it's a little weird that he's not burning me because I'm a witch, you know, but cool. I guess I'm glad about that. Anyway, so he's like, we'll show you around, give you the lay of the land. We need to train you on how to talk and how to be. And then you can, you know, live here and stuff. And she's like, not ideal, but at the very least, it'll give me the opportunity to find that flask. Because mm-hmm. she's a big dumb dummy and yeah. she doesn't believe him. Yeah, I mean, is. I guess I, I can understand. I can understand why she doesn't believe him. But it's just like, Lisa, come on. Come on, man. You don't think he wants to get rid of you? I don't know. Right. Okay. So wait, don't they shake on it? Oh, yeah. Like she puts her hands out to shake hands and he takes her hands and he kisses it. And she's uh-huh. like, what are you doing? And he's like, um, 
Wait, what does he say? He says, like, like, that's what we do here. Yeah. If you offer... Oh! Should you offer me a part of your body last? I will kiss it. (laughs) Just so you know, FYI. Oh, my God. This man. (laughs) Jeez. All right. So now we have one cut scene where it cuts to contemporary times. And Lisa's family and Lisa are in a big pickle because her mom has no caregiver. Ruby shows up at the mom's house because Ruby is the best, the best, best friend ever. And yeah, we find out that everybody believes that she stole the flask and fucked off. Mm-hmm. Wait, that's where the rock climbing comes back in because they're like, oh, really? there's no video of her leaving the office and her asshole boss is like, I know she took rock climbing. She could have rickety rock climbed out of there like Spider-Man. Oh, okay. And there's like a warrant out for her arrest. <laughs> oh my God. Somehow I herbs it. Amazing. Thank you. Okay. All right. I'm sorry, Karen Marie moaning. I am sorry. I respect your art and craft. Okay. So, yeah, it's a big sad. And her mom is like, you know, what am I going to do? Because there's a day nurse, but nobody to take care of her at night. And, you know, she wants her daughter to be there for her final days. And so Ruby says, you know, until she comes back, I am here. I like basically she's going to be her surrogate daughter for a while and it was just mm-hmm. it was so sweet that section was so sweet Ruby's the best yeah yeah okay so now we're back highland times hello hello hot qu- oh did we forgot men. to say that they mentioned he's 500 years old and then oh, yeah. explain it not at all oh yeah they just They're dropped like, oh, that by the in way there. i'm 500 so anyways then this happened yeah <laughs> I was like what and i know so only he only tells the reader this I think Duncan maybe tells the reader this because they decide to pass her off as Robert the Bruce's cousin. And <laughs> and so Searson goes to take her a gown or cloak or something because she already has a gown. Mm-hmm. And he walks in on her as she's only wearing her matching lavender lacy bra yes, and panty set. Lacy. Okay. And his mind explodes. He's like, what are, What is that? Yeah. And then my mind exploded because he walks up to her, you know, just confident dude that he is. And he like takes his, his finger and he sort of runs it on the underside of the top of one of her bra cups. And he's like, what is this contraption? Tell me what is. And neither, neither... Lisa nor I could speak any words at this point because he was just overpowering us with his hot sexiness. And wow, finally she's like, it's a bra, I guess. Like it's just, it's just like a normal bra and stuff. And he is like, well, we got to get you a dress because we can't, nobody else can see you like this. And he's basically like, only I can see you like this. I don't know. Does he say anything else during that time? Because actually my brain also melted. (laughs) She tries to explain to him what a bra does. She's like, no, it serves a purpose. You know, it like holds up, you know. And he's like, I don't know. I don't. Tell me more. (laughs) She's like, you know, when you get older, your boobs might sag. And he just laughs laughs in her face. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. As he's like booping the bow in the middle, like boop. Oh my god. He loves that little bow. He does. He mentions it later. Cause he mm-hmm. finally leaves. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, I'll get you a dress that fits her. 
And he leaves and he's like, I can't control myself around her. She is the well, the hottest. What was that? What was that lacy thing? There was a bow on it, for Jesus' sake. Like, he does not know what to do with himself. So he decides that his basically, like, second Duncan is going to talk to her for the rest of the time because he can't trust himself to stay away and be cool. So Duncan goes up and he's teaching her how to say yay and nay. And <laughs> yeah, that's all you need to know right. to fit in in 1308. Right, right. Don't you don't <laughs> need to perfect a Scottish accent at all to be passed off no. as Robert the Bruce's cousin. You're cool. Um, And she also asked Duncan how, you know, give me the flask. I need to go back. And he's like, I can't do it. Searson can't do it. The flask can't do it. We would tell you if it did. But also, like, maybe you want to hop on that D. And she's like, I ah, Duncan, how how could you even say such a thing? He's like, I would never even think of it. And it's very cute. And they talk about how, or maybe this is just Searson talking to the reader mm-hmm. about how he really hasn't been with a lot of women because he can't do a casual fuck. He's a love fucker. He is. And he's a demisexual. It's too sad for him because yeah. he's lived for 500 years. He's like, I don't want to do that and then be sad. Yeah. He promised himself when his last wife died that he was never going to do this again because it hurt too much. And I was like, oh, no, mm-hmm. Searson, that, that's so sad, but also, you know, sweet. Right? Oh, Like he doesn't even want to get another dog. I know. Because he can't, like, I can't have a dog sleep on my bed and then pass away again. Like he's so, he's gone through a lot of loss here. Yeah, You know, absolutely. being 500 years old for with no explanation. <laughs> yeah, especially in medieval times when they only lived till they were like 40 or 50 or whatever. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. It's July, folks. That means new Bonkers Book Club selections. And let me tell you, our cup runneth over. First, there's a historical smorgasbord. You get the entire box set of Nicola Davidson's Surrey SFS series. If you're not familiar, that stands for Sexual Freedom Society. This box set includes five ridiculously spicy historicals with a variety of gender pairings and trios and so much more that makes my heart sing. Then Jenny and Katie are offering up one of their all-time favorites, Brutal Prince by Sophie Lark. That's the mafia book where the heroine accidentally sets the hero's house on fire and then makes sure her mouth is full of strawberries because she knows he's extremely allergic. Best wedding kiss ever, right? And then we decided to do a little bonus. We wanted to see if audiobooks are something you'd like as part of book club. And Kay Lorraine and Meg Ann have a series called The Mate Games, you get to listen to book one, Obsession. It's a paranormal reverse harem that's done with duet narration. And the cast of narrators is insanely good. So Joybringers have tons to look forward to. If you want to join, check out our website. The link is in the show notes. You get pages of notes that give you context for each letter illuminating the background of the couple and the history that affected them. 
I'm going to put the website in the show notes, but visit loveletterpast.com to sign up. Letter is singular. If you want to try it out or give the gift of this absolutely singular offer to a history-loving pal, use the offer code HEAVING to get 20% off your first month. It's monthly romance in a bite-sized morsel. And it's so good for your brain with all the histories. Go sign up and use the code HEAVING. Hurry! Okay, so then Robert the Bruce shows up. And everybody's like, fuck, man. How are we supposed (laughs) to do it now that he's here? Oh, no. How is she supposed to be his cousin? So Searson rides up to him and he's like, hey, I need a big favor. I need you to just go with it and say this lady is your cousin and please don't ask me any questions. And Robert the Bruce is like, we've got an undying warrior devotion thing happening between us and you supported me after I did that tiny treason. A scotch of treason, yeah. Just, you know, a smidgen of treason. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll do whatever you want me to do. He motivated him to keep fighting by sorcering a spider to oh. come in and uh, like build a web somewhere where it couldn't build a web. So it like s- kept trying to build it and break the web kept breaking. And then finally the spider built the web and Robert the Bruce was like, I can keep going. It's the weirdest. Ah. Like, how did that work? How is that? It's like a, a 14th century motivational poster, like just hang in there, but it's a spider <laughs> right? in a cave. <laughs> That's incredible. And somehow that is what like makes him owe him forever. Yeah. No, just that coincidental spider. I hear that. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Duncan has told her not to leave her room under pain of everything. He's like, Robert the Bruce is here. If you get found out, everybody's going to know. And then the Templars. Oh, there's a bunch of Knights of the Templar who are there. Oh, yeah. That's like a thing that we need to tell you right now, listener. They're there and they're hiding. They're hiding out from the rest of Europe. Yes, because they're illegal now and everybody wants to capture them and murder them and stuff. But there's secrets. Yeah. <laughs> they have so many secrets and so many treasures. Mm-hmm. So he's like, you can't go down there because everything will fall apart and Scotland will be ruined if you do. And so she's standing there and she's like, oh, no. But the call of history. There's so many histories going on down there. So many legends that I've read about. So she's like, I'll just take a quick little jaunt onto the balcony. No problem. And she gets spotted by one of those Knights of the Templar. And he's like, I'll escort you down to your cousinsies. And she says, well, the jig is up to herself and it's over now. But she goes and she gets down there and she's shocked because Robert the Bruce flings his arms open. And he's like, cousin, I haven't seen you in years. It's so good to see you. I'm going to hug you and maybe grab your butt a little bit. Is that something cousins did in medieval times? Most likely. Oh, God. I I base that on nothing, but that's just my opinion. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, Robert the Bruce is a cool-ass dude. He helps her out. He is. And then he does something even more fabulously devious. Oh, yeah. He's like, I'm so happy that I could be here to congratulate you on your nuptials. To Searson that are happening in three months' time, in three moons, you shall be Lady of the Laird. 
and a Brody castle, and it's you. <laughs> it's always been you. And Searson and Lisa, they're like grimacing, and they're trying to take everybody's congratulations, and then they're like really angrily whispering at each other, like, why the fuck did you do this? I didn't do this. You did it. No, shut up. You did it too. And it is so funny. I found this scene to be so funny. It's, it's like they turn to each other, bicker, 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 turn away. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, congratulations. Turn back. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's, <laughs> it's true. Okay, so then he claims that she is frail and has to take her up to her room. And she's like, I really resent that, but sure, I'll go. And when he gets up there, she says, how dare you tell the king that we're getting married? And he's like, I didn't. But like, this wouldn't have happened at all had you stayed in your goddamn room like we told you to. Mm-hmm. And then he looks at her and he's like, but you know what the one nice thing about being married to you would be? You would have to obey me in all things. And then he does this real angry, frustrated make out on her. And then she... She's like, oh, wow, I don't know much about the ways of men's because she is a big virgin trope going on here. Right. But I just learned that you can communicate anger and frustration and rage with your tongue. And so now she's kissing him back even harder. And they're they're angry kissing. And it's a hot. I'm going to be honest with you. It's a it's very, very hot. And then he pulls back and he's like, no, what are you doing to me? And then he leaves. He fucks off. And leaves her there, I think, overnight. Right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) And she's a big confused. Uh Uh-huh. Because she liked it. I mean, she's only human. She is, in fact, a mere mortal. All right? Yeah. Not everybody in this situation is, but it's her. (laughs) Okay. Oh, that's right. He pulled back. That was the thing he said. He pulled back and he says, you remember who runs things around this castle, And then as she's watching his butt, like, walk away from her, she's like, if that's how he expresses his dominance, I need to undermine him more often. And then she, like, skips into her room. (laughs) It's very cute. Okay, now they have a tiny road trip. We go back to Brody Castle. Yeah. Yeah, and it's miserable. It's raining all the time. And they have, like, hard tack and, you know, meats and jerkies or whatever. Yeah. And she can't, she's, like, she's all crying at night. Because she's missing her mom a lot. Her, yeah, but also because she's super sore on that horse. Yeah. She doesn't know how to ride a horse, but she's not going to tell anyone that she like needs help. No, no, never. Never. And um, she sees that flask in his sporin when he's getting something one night. And she's like, I could do it. It could, it could happen. And then it doesn't happen. So they get back to the castle and he takes her up to her room. And then... You know, there's like a getting used to the castle montage, I feel like. Oh, he like gives her a bath. Oof. It's nice. They do another like kiss and it's very sexy. And then he touches her mouth with his hand and she just like sticks her tongue out to lick his finger. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought, don't do that. I know, right? This is Highland Times. Yeah. You were just on a horse for three days. Yeah. He has not bathed. Don't don't lick that finger. Mm -mm. No, but she can't help it. She cannot help it. He's too much. It's too. He's too sexy. Oh, then we meet our villain. Oh yes, Tell who me is 
Armand the Templar, who is like very unhappy with their new demoted status, having yeah. lost all you know status and wealth in Europe, and he doesn't believe anymore, and so he's gonna be a spy for England and be a traitor, and he makes he's gonna go after the definitely not the Deathly Hollows, right? And try and win them for himself for power. So his yeah. plan is he's gonna capture Lisa and ransom her to England or something, mm, or like to get to he's gonna uh, do a Searson. To get yeah, to, yeah, yeah. His plan is to do a kidnap, get her over to England, and then they're gonna be like, "Hey, Brodies or Searsons, whatever your name is, we need stuff from you, and we need you to stop, just like give up or whatever." I'm pretty sure it's like that. So that's the plan on his end. So then she's like, she keeps on rooting around the castle and he finds her one day going through a chest of his Mm -hmm. and he confronts her and he's like, my staff has told me that you are running amok in here and like you're searching everything and I need to know what's going on. She's like, I want the flask. And he's like, last, the flask will not take you home. And she's like, well, I bet it will, though. <laughs> and he grabs some papers out of his chest and, like, hides them from her. She does find out that they were technically hand-fasted when Robert the Bruce put her closed hand into Cersei's hand. Yes. So that if in a year and a day they're still together and she's pregnant, then they're married. Yeah. And she starts, she's like, oh, I'm thinking about what would it be like to have his baby? And then she's like, and then I drop kick that thought out of my brain. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She wants she wants him to fertilize her hard. Okay, so then he goes back to his room and he's brooding about his lot in his very long life and the fact that he can never love again and he reads these papers that he got out of the the chest and he's really glad that she didn't read them because they're his diaries from like 909 or something, the year. Right. So he's thinking about it and he's like I don't know. I just, I can't keep going on like this. I want her so bad. I don't know what to do. So he says, I've already broken one oath. Oh, because when he first got turned, he was like, there's only one way I'm going to get through this. And it's by following some rules. So it's like, I won't lie. I won't break an oath. I won't knock a lady up. Maybe what are they? Oh, here we go. I shall not spin, spill innocent blood. I shall not break an oath. I shall not use magic for personal gain or glory. I shall never betray my honor. And so at this point, he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I need to know what's going on. And so he goes into his study and he decides to scry because that's a thing he's like accidentally done before. And he wants to know what's going on between him and Lisa. So he scries into this, he sits down and he scries into this shield, this shiny shield situation. And all of a sudden, out of the mist of the shield comes just Lisa's boobs. Wow, they're right there. (laughs) And she's astride him and they're having lots of sex and he's playing with her boobs and stuff. And it's a hot. It's like the spin on like a dream sex, you know? Mm-hmm. It's really good. But it's a vision of his future. So he's like, well, okay, then yeah. I guess I should maybe try and do that. Right. <laughs> and so now he's like, all right. So now just Operation Seduce Lisa begins. Yeah. At a four course dinner, 
he's like the Duke of Hastings licking his his whipped cream yes. off of his spoon. Girl, that is exactly what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> I was like, he did the Duke spoon. <laughs> Eating like whipped cream. And uh-huh. she's like, oh, I wonder what would happen if he put that whipped cream on me. Mm-hmm. What if I put whipped cream on him? Uh-huh. So she has like a full page whipped cream fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Just sitting there at dinner all innocently. So then after dinner, he walks her to her room and she's ready for just like a very nice goodnight kiss to seal things off and she's going to go inside. And instead, he reaches behind her and opens the door to her room and then backs her in. And he's like, Lisa, touch me. We should do it. I've seen it in the future. I, he doesn't tell her that, though. That is me talking to you, listener. <laughs> And he like he takes off his shirt and he's like, get a load of all this. And she's very overwhelmed and she doesn't know what to do. And he says, he is like, why are you so reticent? And she admits that she's a virgin. Yes. He's like, really? Why? Like, you're hot. You're of age. Why wouldn't you do that? Like, were you just too much for the men in your time? And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, are you calling me fat? Yeah, yeah. What are you saying? I'm too much. And he's like, no, you're, he's like, no, you're smart. And that's like worse for her to be called oh, smart because she's so yeah. mean to herself. So she's like, oh, God, yeah. don't call me smart. Well, maybe I'm smart in like the 14th century because I can read. She is really mean but to then herself. He talks. Yeah. She's so mean to herself all the time. And it makes me a bit sad. But then he's, he doesn't understand about her virginity. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wait. To start this whole scene, I have it highlighted. It says, he says to her, Mm -hmm. do you recall how it feels? Oh, no. Okay. So she yawns. And he says, quite a yawn. Lovely pink tongue, by the way. Do you recall how it feels when yours jousts with mine? I haven't forgotten. I want more. Despite her resolve not to, she looked at him, fascinated. I want your tongue in my mouth. She averted her gaze with effort. I want mine all over your body. So then he does the whole smart mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she's like, what are you taught? Like, don't you medieval men like love virginity and stuff? And he's like, no, no, that's something that priests made up to make women deny themselves. And it's awful. Mm-hmm. And I would never want to do that to any woman, let alone you. Yeah. He says your virginity is a piece of skin. Yeah. But an obsession with ob- virginity is absurd. And serves no purpose but to make a woman turn away from a fine part of her nature. Yeah. Women and men have the same desires. I love him. I know. At least they do until the priests have their go at the women and convince them that it's shameful. What the priests should be saying is choose well. Searson. Yes. May I just say that in my humble opinion, you are a great choice. I don't know. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's like, you got to go. I'm not ready for this yet. And he says, I understand you're not ready. And he's like, that's fine. I can wait. He says that he'll wait as long as he needs her to. Oh, my God. He says, I could pick you up and wrap those lovely long legs of yours around my waist, slip deep inside you, rock you against me, and love you until you lay in my arms and slept like a babe. And then he says, but know this, Lisa, when you're across the dinner table from me on the morrow... In my mind, I'll be pushing you back on the bed. In my fantasy, he laughed as if at his own brashness. You are discovering yourself with my willing body. Oh, my God. 
This man is so hot. (laughs) And then he says, okay, this was weird for me. It it was a roller coaster of emotions. And I'm just going to read it. (laughs) Because he says, good night, Lisa. Sleep with the angels. Her eyes stung from quick tears. It had been her mother's nightly benediction. Sleep with the angels. But then he added words her mother never had. Then come back to earth and sleep with your devil who would burn in hell for one night in your arms. And then he fucks off. And I'm like, you can't, you can't invoke her dying mom and then hit her with the sexy. (laughs) (laughs) It was very funny. Okay. (laughs) And also, I just feel like someone telling you like sleep with the angels is kind of like, Sleeping with the fishes, like you might be dying. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> no, it would not be comforting to me. I'd be like, I'm gonna die. Oh god. Oh, no. Are, are you threatening me? Oh no. <laughs> exactly. Um. <laughs> okay, so then she waits three days and she's like, We haven't fucked yet. I've been waiting three days. It's like four thousand minutes. I don't know what's wrong with me. Ah. And she keeps on snooping around and it's a whole thing. She tries to like get work around the castle and the, um, the maids are like, no, you absolutely cannot. You are the lady. I'll get fired. If you touch these sheets, get out of here. Mm-hmm. And then, so now she's sulking and she's like, I'm useless. I have nothing to do. And he comes over and he tries to make her feel better. And they're like joking back and forth and it's adorable. Oh, and then doesn't she try and she's like, I'm just gonna have to use a knife on him and make him give me the flash. I'm <gasps> oh, not yeah. finding it. I don't know where his secret hidey hole is. Yeah. So she like hides in a room and he comes in and she puts the knife up to him <gasps> and says, give me the flask. And yeah. then he does a quick knife switch and then he has the knife on oh. her. And he's like, are you actually the spy we thought you were? And she's like, no, I just want to go home. And then he takes her into the room and he's like, just tell me what's going on. Because she's been very evasive about her family, very evasive about her life before coming here. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, tell me everything. And finally, she breaks down. She starts crying. And she's like, I need my hat back. Where the fuck is my hat? My dad gave it to me right before he died. It's all I have daddy. left of him. Yeah, my daddy, my daddy. So he gives her the hat back and then she's like, and now my mom is dying and I need to be back there. She tells him the whole thing and he's like, how stupid am I that I never even considered the life I was essentially ripping her away from inadvertently when I did this curse on this flask? So he's like, you know what? I'm going to show you. I'll go get the flask. You can fondle it all you want and it's not going to take you home and then we can figure it out from there. And he's like feeling terrible. So he goes and gets the flask and he goes into this hidey hole room where he has a bunch of modern times stuff. He's got like shotguns and a CD player that he listens to. He'll like go by himself and listen to his (laughs) CD player like the most emo tween ever. (laughs) And then he's got tampons. He thinks that they're for cleaning guns, and so he cleans all of his guns with the tampons. Just adorable. (laughs) Oh, my God. So he grabs this flask, and he brings it back to her. These are all gifts, right? Yeah. Adam Adam can sift through time very easily, and so he always brings 
gifts back to him because he's always trying to seduce Searson into using fairy magic and being being magic, you know? And Searson's always like, you can g- give me, I don't take bribes, but he will clean those guns with tampons. God damn you, Adam. <laughs> so he comes back and she holds it and she's like, she clicks her heels together and she says, there's no place like home and nothing happens. And then she goes to drink from the flask and he's like, ah, no, don't do that. What are you doing? And she's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm grasping at straws here, man. And he tells her that no terrible things will happen to you if you drink out of that flask. So now she's realizing that she's stuck here forever because she really, really cannot get home. Yeah. Meanwhile, ever since Searson scried them fucking, has been like all in it to win it with Lisa. He's like, I'm marrying her. I love her. She's mine now. And so he is sort of having this inner battle of like, I can't believe I didn't know. I I can't believe I never asked what I took her away from. And also, like, he wants to help her sort of mourn the loss of that. So she goes into her room and then sort of doesn't come out for, like, weeks. Maybe three weeks. Yeah, she does. a. She has a real depression. She's kind of like, my mom is basically dead to me. Right. So she's mourning her. Right. As if she's died. Yeah. And we get a scene with Armand where he's like talking with the person he's supposed to kidnap her for. And man, my favorite thing about Armand is that in one of these scenes, one of the two scenes, he talks about how like after being in the Knights of the Templar for so long, he's really excited about going to the English court and like maybe maybe making good on those rumors that Edward the Plantagenet likes to do things with boys, you know? I'm like, exchange some favors with the Plantagenet. (laughs) I was like, Armand, yes, get it. Um, No, but he's bad. (laughs) He's a bad. I'm sorry. I'm so confused. Oh, hey, HBs. I don't know if you've heard, but we have a Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you get over 150 bonus episodes, most of which include Aaron, videos of regular episodes, author hangouts, and so much more. Do you want to hear Aaron and I recap every single episode of Crash Landing on You? What about a little film called Psycho Stripper? Do you want more recaps of ridiculous Thanksgiving and other holiday books and movies? And how do you feel about Naima Simone and I recapping amazing reality TV? All of that and more is on the Patreon. There's so much content at your fingertips as soon as you sign up. Seriously, hours and hours. Anyway, it's patreon.com forward slash heaving bosoms podcast if you want to check it out. And of course, that link is in the show notes. Keep being a badass. Okay, so then he's basically like, I haven't been able to get her yet because she literally hasn't left her room. So then we come back to her and she's like finally waking up and she's like, okay, I've been sleeping 16 hours a day for three weeks. I'm, I need to get out of this depression. And she finally like comes back to the land of the living and Searson, she opens the door and Searson falls in because he's been sleeping, sitting up at her door. Oh my God, what a dream boat. 
And he's so excited that she's awake. He's like, I'm going to get you a bath right now. Oh, my God. I'm here I go. Bath, everyone. Everyone. My lady wants a bath. Make all the tastiest <laughs> treats in the land. Get me the tastiest treats. Ew. We must. Nah. <laughs> and so she um, she like goes on a walk and he he takes her to the chapel where he has rejiggered this mosaic that he's been making to have a memorial not only for his mom, but also for her mom. And boy, it is the sweetest. And I love how nervous he was. He was like, have you ever thought you had a really good idea and then you did it? And then you're like, what if it's actually a terrible idea? Oh, no. Yeah. And so he's like super self-conscious about it. But it was a good idea. And she loves it. Oh, my gosh. It is so sweet. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And she's like, I'm going to come here anytime I need to think about her. And like, and. Now it's on TM. He's fully like, I need to do the final thing to get her back to life. I need to fuck her brains out and just rid her of this guilt and mourning and all of that. Like, show her what life can be with me and this D. Mm-hmm. With a penis that is so big, she. Like, I don't think I can wrap my hand around it. Yeah. Which I had to sit with for a while. <laughs> and then I had to find objects for. Right. Um, that I could try in my hand for comparison. I don't know. Like, I know that I'm like a bigger <laughs> lady, you know, I'm like tall and I'm pretty robust, but I feel like my hands aren't gargantuan and like, oh my God. You know, like maybe but, maybe she's bird sized, and so it's not actually that big. She's five ten, they say. Oh, she's that's like big, right. bigger for her. So, like compared to all the ladies, then she's bigger. Oh my god! Yeah, she's five ten. He's six seven, and yeah, so it's virgin and monster cock. That's what we've got going on here. <laughs> yes, two of the best tropes, you know. Um, <laughs> so he, he goes into her room and. He, he's trying to kiss up on her and she sort of gets away from him and he's like, what are you waiting for, Lisa? And she goes and sits on the bed and they talk about it. And he says, the first day when we were doing that sexy wrestle, you said to me, you can't kill me. I haven't even lived yet. And she, and that hits her just as hard as it hit him at first. And she's like, oh my gosh, he's right. It's time to do a strip tease." And it's time to do a sex together with this man. So she strip teases for him. And he like asks her to, he says, take off your gown, lass. And she's like, okay, here I go. And then after that, he's like, do a spin. Oh, my God, Searson. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. She's afraid. She's like, what if my butt looks too big? And then she remembers Ruby, the best friend ever, who said, a man will never think your ass is fat. He will always just be happy to be seeing it. Yes. Ruby. Ruby. You absolute <laughs> font of wisdom. Um, so then he goes down on her and it's like the best thing she's ever felt ever. Oh, because they had a conversation a while ago mm-hmm. in which she asked him how many women he'd slept with. And he told her seven. And then he he thinks to himself like, thousands of times with each of those seven so i know well how to pleasure a lass and he tells her that each 
woman's body was like like the like the landscape of Scotland and he loved them just as well as he loves his country and I was like stop it take off your plaid mm-hmm. right now oh no <laughs> here's the thing I learned about myself during this book Lauren yes I learned that if I were in this situation like 5 minutes in I would not be looking for that flask Five minutes in, I would be like, well, um, I guess they didn't need me in my time anyway. Look, here I am in my perfect happy place. I'm like, guess I can't change it. Uh (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm a terrible person because the whole time I was like, Lisa, you're crazy pants. (laughs) Just stay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, then I'm a terrible person as well because I had the exact same thought. Excellent. I feel so much better. Okay, so then they, so then he fingers her up real good because he's like, I have a monster cock and you have this teeny tiny little tight virgin vagina. Oh, so tiny. So <laughs> tiny. And man, it's a great time. She has a great time. And then he does a thing that he's never done with a woman in his life. He comes inside of her. He is so like the Duke of Hastings now that I'm talking about it. Licking spoons all over the place, yeah. jizzing anywhere but inside you. Man, <laughs> they've got a lot in common. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Revelations I'm hey, coming I to. I didn't really think about that. <laughs> I also liked that. <laughs> yeah. The the inch by inch description of penetration. Uh-huh. She's like, one inch is in and this is how it feels. Two inches in and here we go. Now we're three. Now we're six, seven, eight. And I was like, how far, how many inches are I we going to have? I know. And before she said that it wasn't the length, it was the girth that really impressed slash terrified oh, yes. her. And so if the length is eight inches and like she can't hold her and hand. And what up. is the girth that she can't? I can't put her hand. Like I'm holding my water bottle right now, that I, I mean, can't close my hand around. I, uh, Lauren. I mean, I, I can't uh, look. That's I. I know. We're both sitting here lot. with our hands pantomiming, <laughs> holding giant cups <laughs> right now. <laughs> that's a lot. And I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't yeah. know. That's terrifying to me. Anyway. <laughs> So, okay, so they do that sex. Oh, and then the moment that he comes inside of her, boom, smash. <gasps> They've got a mating bond that has happened. It's a full Akashmerv, Resand, and Feyre mating bond mm-hmm. where now they can feel each other's feelings yeah. and they can sort of communicate with each other no matter where they are kind of situation. Not with words yet, but, you know, with feelings. And so he's like... Mm-hmm. This has never happened before. Maybe because I've never splooged in anyone. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. And he and she's thinking like, wow, I've never been with a man before. I wonder what, if this is like what it's always like. And so now we have a big like happy couple montage couple of chapters. Like they're fucking mm-hmm. everywhere. They're, they're getting ready for All their wedding. Over the estate. Yeah. They're doing everything. And meanwhile, the staff and the villagers and everybody are preparing their wedding feast. And they're not even, like, talking to them about it. Because these two are just being bunnies everywhere. And they cannot get a word in edgewise. Then the wedding feast happens. And that's a fun. This is when she learns that she shouldn't have been using the chamber pots the whole time. So that's awkward. (laughs) She finds out on her wedding day, her new husband literally says, 
are you the person who've been leaving dookies all yeah. over the ground? That was you. <laughs> I've been blaming the men. She was a phantom pooper. <laughs> she, she was a mad pooper. <laughs> it's true. Oh my God. Which is horrifying to me. She's been throwing her poop out the window <laughs> for weeks. <laughs> And people are just like, where does this keep coming from? Why is there always shit on the stairs? The men have been having to clean it up. He's been forcing his soldiers to clean it up and being like, find the person who keeps pooping. Find them. (laughs) Oh, my God. Anyway, so now she's like, I'm going to kill that precocious child who played this trick on me. Yeah, so then she goes to the bathroom, the actual bathroom in the actual castle, and Armand grabs her when she's outside, and he's like, let, let me be charming and French at you for a while. Like, I'll tell you all about the Knights of the mm-hmm. Templar. And she's like, history, I must know the history. And so she goes like a history Pied Piper yeah. after him. That would work 100% on me as Fair. well. I'm like, nerd, nerd, <laughs> yes, I'll go anywhere. Love a nerd flirt. Yeah, that's true. You got me there. I didn't think about it like that. So he then takes her to her, his, um, the dude's room, Searson's room. And he's like, I've got a knife on you now. I'm going to do a big choke a bitch. And you're going to give me the key. And Mm -hmm. she says, I don't have the key. I don't have the key. Meanwhile, Searson can feel her not breathing. And so (gasps) magic jizz connection. And so he's like bounding around Mm -hmm. the castle. He's like, I must, I must save my mate. And he gets there. He does a big magic swoosh and a slash. He's wolverining everywhere. He's going at lightning speed. And he gets Armand off of her. And then he's about to kill him. And she's like, no, don't. No, don't kill him. And then she's like, you need to know if he's the only one. You need to question him and stuff. So then we find out that the Knights of the Templar do not fuck around. Oh, yeah. Because he left it up to the Knights to do the interrogation and they tortured him a lot. And he told them the whole thing. He was alone. It was his idea. He just wanted to fool around with Edward the Plantagenet. And he wanted to get his weight in gold. Oh, my God. So they gave it to him. So they melted a metric fuck ton of gold. And they they did a big older Targaryen brother on him. Yes. They poured it down his throat. Oh, my God. So he did die after that. Yeah. And then they're like, we'll just wait for it to cool down and we'll get it back. Holy ball sack. <laughs> we'll just take it back out. Oh, my God. Which that was even more horrifying. Knights of the Templar. I mean, I guess I'm glad they're not wasteful, but wow. I mean, they're really <laughs> not. <laughs> got to save that environment, you know. going to do it. <laughs> um, okay. So now it's like war times. And he has to go off to war. Oh, yeah. Big war is happening. Yeah. Robert the Bruce is going to fight England. Yeah. You know, Braveheart. Fuck Mel Gibson, though, because he's Oh, yeah. But he's a big. That's how, how I knew about it. Same. Because it's like the same battles that they talk about in that movie. Yeah. But just FYI, listener, just like we had our Marky Mark moment. Mel Gibson, if you don't know, has always been racist. Mm. There are years and years and years of him making racist statements about, like, everyone. So Mm. he sucks. Don't watch his movies. He's the worst. Okay. No. So. The worst. um, (laughs) Oh, yeah. So it's war times now. And she goes to his room. Why does she go to his room, Lauren? Let's see. 
He goes to gather his weapons and she follows him. Oh, yeah. Because she's worried. She they were talking about stuff. She doesn't want him to go to war. She's like, I'm in love with you now. I don't want you to go die. Yeah. And he's like, babe, don't worry about it, babe. It's fine. And she's like, I don't know why. It's yeah, she's fine. like, I don't understand. You can't make those you know, promises. Like, You're die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he she yeah. follows him into the secret room and he's like, Get out! No. Yeah. But it's too late because she, she already looked around and she's like She has seen those tampons. You lied to me. You have a CD player. You have this. Tampons. She's like, have you been hiding? Was I not worth tampons? How many women have you brought back from the future that you have tampons? And he was like, why did you need to clean your (laughs) way? Do you need to clean something? (laughs) Oh, sweetie darling. So he's like, I didn't lie to you. I actually can't do this. These were gifts from Adam, the guy who can do the time sifting, but he's also the guy I promised to murder you for. And so I can't call him because he'll murder you instead of sending you back. And she's like, okay, I super believe you, but you're hiding something from me. And he says, fine, I'm 500 years old. I can't die. And wow, does that, does that throw her for a loop? Understandably. Mm-hmm. And that he... W- he never chose to be immortal. Adam did it to him without his consent, without his knowledge, which is why I think he's such a consent king because he even wants oh, yeah. to make her immortal, but he would never do it without her consent oh. because he wasn't given that choice. It's true. Yeah. And he explains about the fairy world and the not the Deathly Hallows. Right. And the Tua de Danen, which is <gasps> like the fairy world, which I had to look up how to speak say that word because there are a lot more consonants in there than they pronounce (laughs) it's true (laughs) i actually listened to the audible for a lot of this and so yeah i didn't the tua de dan and i i didn't see the rest of those pesky consonants but yeah it's gaelic so they are in there (laughs) yeah so he explains all of that and she's like oh my god so you've like buried a bunch of wives and it's a whole thing. And he's like, yes, I definitely have. And um, like, we'll talk about it when I get back. Right. You know, so I'm going to go do this little battle thing and then I'll be back. Then he sort of changes his mind and he's like, no, no, I can't leave you because I can't. Like, I just told you this whole thing. And she's like, no, get away from me. I need to think by myself. And she knows that he has to be there. He and his men have to be in the battle. For them, for it to be a success. Right. Because she knows her history. Right. So they need to be at the Battle of Bannockburn or whatever yes. it is. The Templar Knights have to go there yeah. for the yeah. Bruce to win. Ooh, Robert the Bruce. So he fucks off with his men. <laughs> and she is like, holy fuck balls. I'm going to get super old. And he's not. I'm going to like wither and die. And I know what it's like to watch a loved one wither and die and not be able to do anything about it. And I don't want to do that to him. That sounds terrible. It's really bad. So she's thinking about it and she's like, there's no way to get around this. Because in his brain, he was like, I'll just tell her that I want her to be immortal and give her the like the drink from the flask when I get back. I'll just go do the battle first and then we'll have the chat about the flask. So she's like, I don't know what to do. And there's this fairy mound that they had talked about earlier. So just on a whim, she goes and does, you know, she walks around it seven times and bleeds on it and stuff. Ah, quick, quick. She bites her palm and makes it bleed. 
do you know how hard you have to bite your palm to make it bleed? I thought she was going to like bite her cheek and then spit on it or something reasonable. Right. Biting? Or like find a rock or like scratch yourself with a stick. Literally anything. One of the thickest parts of your body right and now we're now we're both biting yeah, our I hands mean, you gotta try it i did it when i was and listening look, too there's no, no blood there's no but there's not even i didn't even make teeth marks lauren okay i went a little aggressive i did make teeth marks on my okay they're they're like a tiny bit but it's not it's negligible um and i bit hard okay so anyway she is a superhero <laughs> who can bite her own palm and have that be successful <laughs> and so then she turns around to go back to the castle and there's this voice behind her that's like, what would you like, mortal? Ooh. And it's the fairy queen. We've already seen the fairy queen because she got real mad at Adam mm-hmm. and she tied him to her side and she took away his powers of sifting time and bending worlds or something until she was like yeah, happy with him again. Like and so now she's in front of Lisa. And she's like, what do you want? And Lisa's like, oh my god, I didn't... She's so beautiful. She can barely look at her. She's covered in gold (gasps) glitter, which is me in the 90s with my roll-on glitter sticks that I would do before I'd go out. That's what I looked like, too. Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, so much glitter eyeshadow. I cannot even tell you. And the glitter hairspray. Mm -hmm. Boy, did I have some glitter hairspray. Wow, the 90s. So, okay, I guess the 2000s maybe. Anyway, listen, it doesn't matter. So, oh, so she's like, I don't know. I don't know what I want. And the the queen is like, I am the queen of the Tuatidanen. I am like a big deal. You don't waste my time. Figure it out now. And she says, do you want me to just look into your heart and tell you what you want? And she's like, no, I'm going to make it up, make it a decision with my mind's. And she ultimately decides to go back to her time, to her mom, because she finds out that her mom is, in fact, still alive. The fairy queen tells her that. And so then the fairy queen does this very funny thing where she makes Adam materialize. And then she's like, Adam, I don't do my own housework. So send this bitch back to the future for me, please. And I was like, why, though? You know what I mean? Like, she got all the way there. Why wouldn't she just send Adam? I don't know. It was just a weird. I mean, it was like romance reasons, right? Because Adam is the one who has wanted to protect this relationship from the beginning. Spoiler alert. He's been the pesky kid the whole time. Oh, yeah. He was. And he saw her naked in the bath. And (laughs) I'm just a little scoundrel. What are you going to do? I'm a scoundrel. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, all right, cool. And he twitches his nose or something and sends her into the mist. And she's falling and falling and falling again. So now Searson freaks the fuck out because he can't feel her anymore. And so, boy, does he go berserker on that battlefield. Oh, yeah. And then the Knights of the Templar take off their plaids and they ride into battle with their white costumes with their cross on it and stuff. You know, very crusades, merciless things. And... uh, they win that battle and it's a great. So then he goes home and Adam is waiting there for him. And Adam's like, wow, bro, real sorry about this whole thing. And he goes and gets one of the not at all the Deathly Hallows. And he comes back with this sword and he's like, I'm going to skewer you until your immortal ass is dead. 
And Adam's like, listen, 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 hold the phone here. I didn't kill her. She talked to the fairy queen and she asked to go back to her time, which like, wow, that's a mean thing to say to him, you know? Yeah. And so Adam's like, but but don't worry about it. She didn't actually mean it. I, I could listen to her whole brain and, and I know she didn't actually mean it. So instead of sending her back to her time, I like didn't do what she wanted, but I also didn't not do what she wanted. He sent her to some other dimension island. So she's out of time. Right. But safe. Yes. And he convinces Saracen, finally. He finally convinces Saracen to accept his fairy half and do the magics and all the things. And Saracen's like, what do you want in return if you're going to teach me how to sift time and to telepath and to do all the shit that fairies do? And he looks at him and he says, Saracen, you know what I want. And then Saracen looks at him and he says, all right, dad. Teach me how Dad. to bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> Adam's his daddy. Wow. So we find out that Adam did fuck his mom and he had the same sort of bond with his mom that he has with Lisa. And he looks at Adam and he's like, magical. Jizz that's bond. right. That's the one. And he's like, how could you <laughs> let her die if like, I know what that would feel like and I could never. And Adam says she wouldn't accept the potion and I don't want to talk about it anymore because I'm still utterly broken about it. You know, sniff. Yeah. So they practice for what seems like maybe years, question mark. Was this your understanding of this as well? Like since she's out of time. I don't. Yeah, because they could take as much time as they needed. It's a big training montage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I really feel like he was like, Scotland be damned. I'm going to devote myself to magics for five years, and that's the way it's going to be. So then he decides. They come up with this whole insane plan that I love this. That I'm so sorry much. makes no sense from start to finish. No but sense. But we'll get to it. No. <laughs> so his plan is to sift through time and go forward in time and save both of her parents. So he goes forward and instead of them getting like he he magics away their cars to the same island. He sends like their Jeep and their Mercedes to the same island that Lisa's on right now. And so I think she's just like doing donuts on the beach, maybe, you know, yeah. I really wanted like that scene, but it's fine. Karen Marie Monig, you're you're the best. <laughs> so he finds out with Adam that her mom is dying of cervical cancer. And so then it turns into a very right. special episode of prevention of cervical cancer times. <laughs> yeah. And it, I actually really and, appreciated it. Yeah. Yeah. They talk about, you know, early detection is the key to prevention and that if you catch it early, that you can do something about it and that her mom didn't go to the doctor for years and years. So they caught it too late. Yeah. So, of course, what is the only logical thing that they could do to get her to go to the doctor? Oh, my God. They start they write, pamphleting like, a her? letter campaign? Yeah. Yeah. They send her, like, <laughs> I imagine them, like, <laughs> and putting oh, it yeah. in her, like, mailbox oh. out front, like, oh, this one's going to be the one. Completely. Just, like, free gyno. 
come show me your vagina. Free past me. Like (laughs) cervical cancer kills all the people. She's like, this is weird. I know. She says that she got 50 (laughs) of those pamphlets over like 30 days. And I was like, God damn, that is very aggressive. And I appreciate it. Wow. So... So then she's like, I mean, I guess I may as well. And then she thinks to herself, wow, we're we're a little bit irresponsible when it comes to things like prevention. And prevention is not the same as treating diseases you already have. Prevention is different than repair. I fix my car up all the time. Why wouldn't I get a pap smear? I don't know why she turned into Mickey Mouse just now, but it happened. <laughs> and it's also like my daughter is about to be that age where she'll need this service like how can I make her do it if I'm not doing it yeah. myself? Let's all go get our vaginas checked yes. together. Can I tell you something <laughs> super fucked up? Please do. I come from a very conservative area. And so in like freshman year of college, I was like, mom, I am having my period every like 20 to 21 days instead of the, the Ooh, nice girl. 28 so I'm like just always on my period and I have to stop it. Can we go to the gynecologist? And so she took me to the gynecologist and the doctor was like, wow, you know, since you're a virgin, I actually don't want to give you a pap smear because I don't want to penetrate you with anything because you're a virgin. And... So I am filled with rage. I, I almost just fell out of my chair. My computer just became unplugged. Holy shit. Uh-huh. No. Oh yeah. So she refused oh, God, I'm so to sorry. medically treat me and figure out if anything was wrong until I got a dick put in me. Um, and so in, like, instead, uh, she was like, I'll try you on like a progesterone, like one shot situation to see if I can get your hormones to get on track or whatever. But she refused to prescribe me birth control and she refused to to give me a pap smear. Oh, my God. Wow. That was a whole situation. So anyway, you just give us our health care. We just want our health care. You know, that's all. Yeah. I grew up in the Bay Area yeah. attending plays about vaginas and, oh, you know. I love <laughs> it. Was, it was always, you know. The Vagina Monologos. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I saw it, like, when it first, first came out with Eve Ensler, it was great. Amazing. And all of the merch was vagina-shaped vagina, pop vagina, chocolate vagina, yeah. lollipop. It was amazing. I love it. Oh, my gosh. So I and, ate and a lot like, of vaginas. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah. So I've swung all the way hard in the other direction because when my kids mm-hmm. ask me questions about things, I just tell them the answers in, in like a, yeah. in like a, you know, developmentally safe way. So the other day, right. I had, I like went upstairs to grab my menstrual cup and I had it in my hand and I came downstairs because the kids were downstairs. So I was going to use that bathroom instead of using the upstairs one. And my son, my almost five-year-old son, saw it in my hands, and he goes, Mom, what's your menstrual cup for? Are you bleeding out of your vulva? And I said, yes, Ember, I'm bleeding out of my vulva. 
I'm gonna go put this in, okay? Just like chill for a minute. <laughs> so yeah, I've swung hard in the other direction. <laughs> I think it's good. You have to give the kid give kids proper language for anatomy. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be silly nicknames and stuff. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, where were we? Although I'm so I've sorry. Some- okay. <laughs> no, what were you gonna say? Yes. Well, I was gonna say I work with um, preschool children with special needs. So I've had a lot of interesting experiences with kids. I um, have what is known in the business as really big boobs. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm a naturally <laughs> busty lady. So I've had a lot of kids be like, what's that? What's going on there? And so I had this one kid uh-huh. who wanted to really understand why things work and how he is definitely on the spectrum yeah he's like i don't understand what is it that makes your chest stand up what is in it is it your heart is it your lungs and i was just kind of like uh yep it's my lungs okay bye (laughs) oh what a sweet heart (laughs) yeah what makes your chest stand up is one of the cutest phrases i've ever heard in my life what a doll. Oh, my God. All right. Okay, wait. So where were we? Why are we talking about this? Um, oh, uh, she, she, she gets oh, a pap she smear. She went to the gyno. Yay! Yeah. So he saves the day in every way possible. She So now, uh, this is where it doesn't make any fucking sense. So now they're going to go get her from the out-of-time place and bring her forward into time. Yet... He has seen her 18-year-old body exist in this time. And Adam is like, I can either bring her forward with no memory or, you know, we can bring her forward so that she remembers all the shit that happened in Scotland and stuff. And also the terrible trauma of her dad dying in a car crash and her mom having cancer. Correct. And so he's like, yeah, we got to do that one because she won't remember me otherwise. And I'm, like, not in the mood to woo her again, you know? Like, she just needs to know what's going on. So they do bring her forward. And I need to know what they did with the other 18-year-old version of her that's in this timeline. Did they murder her, Lauren? Is it? Is it? Did they murder her? Oh, shit. I didn't even consider this. She exists in this timeline. Did they murder her. Well, do they just like put her consciousness back into her body? Okay. So they murder her consciousness and replace it oh, God. with her other consciousness. Is that what we're That's saying? That's not better, is it? That's not better. So um. then so then is her just like husky corpse on the out of time place now? You know what I'm saying? We're just hanging out with those two cars. Yeah. Is she is she just decaying in her Jeep now? <laughs> After doing donuts because her consciousness is gone? How did it work? I, 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 they either buried I her know. in the backyard or her body is decaying in her donut Jeep. <laughs> like, there are only two options here. Oh, yeah. my God. Okay, I think, I think you're right. I think that they very likely just took her consciousness and shoved it in there magically and it's fine. No big deal. Um, so she wakes up and she's like, spring has sprung. I'm back in my gauzy canopy bed because, of course, it's a gauzy canopy bed. And always. <laughs> so she sees her mom and she's like, mom, is dad here? And she and her mom says, no, of course not, Daddy. honey. 
dad goes to work early on Tuesdays. And she's like, silly goose. Yeah. (laughs) Holy fuck. Dad's alive. Mom's alive. Everybody's great. And then there's like a knock, knock, knock on the door because uh, Searson's there and he needs to take her to Waffles immediately and like tell her what's going on. (laughs) And her mom is totally charmed by him. And she's like, oh, my God, my daughter didn't tell me that she was in love, but she obviously Mm -hmm. is. And she gives her mom this big giant I, hug. She loves his brogue. Oh, she loves the brogue. Yes. Oh, and then he's like, I'll, I'll accept you to my keep anytime. And the mom's like, oh, don't tell me you have a castle. I got to go get that coffee. All right. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. So then he takes her to like a suite or something. He, he, he does a big, he does a big, we're going to, we're going to have a convenient place to have some reunion sex. And mm-hmm. he and Adam, oh, wait, so he fills her in on everything. And then Adam shows up and she's like, you, you did this to me. And then Adam very cheekily morphs back into like the precocious child and then morphs into <laughs> Adam again. And he's like, yeah. I've seen you naked da, 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 in your bath. <laughs> and I'm like, you're her father-in-law. Cool it. <laughs> and then they explain everything to her. And then they're like, and also, I want you to be mine forever. So I have champagne. Let's put three drops of the potion in the champagne. We're going to be together forever. We can bend time. We can go have a 14th century wedding yeah. with your parents. We can bring, yeah, we can bring your parents back in time. I can give them a castle. They can retire in Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole thing. So here's the next way that this makes no fucking sense, Lauren. Why isn't Scotland independent? If he can bend time and shift worlds and do all the shit, what kind of Scottish laird isn't going to bend time and shift worlds for Scottish independence? Lauren, I ask you. (sighs) That's one of his rules. (laughs) Don't don't, do too many big changes. I don't know. (laughs) Fair. Yeah. He can only do it for Lisa. If it's not for Lisa, he doesn't change it. That makes sense. I like it. I like that. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so now they're happily ever after for eternity. And she's pregnant, too. So that's nice. Oh, yeah. He did get her pregnant the and first like time the- they had sex because he's the most virile, being not human <laughs> and not fey, but both is most virile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, and they're going to have the no. So now he can also telepath into her brain with words because he did the mm-hmm. magics. He did all the magic training. And that that bond is going to be shared by his kids too wow yeah so he's going to have to go through labor with his wife he's going to have to feel all her pain yeah we talked about and i was like you know what good i don't i mean i don't hate it you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> granted that would have made michael not as great of a, a bedside labor partner you know uh so it that's is a trade-off true, I did like having him there to, like, hold one of my legs and, you know, help me bear down or whatever. Uh, And if he was in the bed beside me, also contracting, (laughs) that could have been weird. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, when I said it out loud, I realized it was not good. (laughs) No, I mean, I like the idea of them knowing the excruciating pain that I went through, you know? But, like, maybe not concurrently. Maybe not at the same time. Yeah. Right. There we go. Yeah, I like it. Wow, Lauren, you knocked this out of the park. Oof. Great book. Oh, man. Great choice. Great everything. 
You are incredible. Oh my God. You are incredible. I'm so happy to have been here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Do you have a lady love? Oh God. Yes. I've been thinking about it so much. Well, I guess I have two. My first one is the reason why I'm here is be a good sport. Yeah. Like be a gracious loser. Yeah. But my real lady love is a podcast, the only other podcast besides yours that has gotten me through this past year. And it's called Freedom. And it's three comedians just shooting the shit. And it's like, you feel like you're hanging out with your friends. And they're so charming and witty and like disarming. And it's just, it's wonderful. And it makes me laugh and cry and laugh. That's really awesome. So check it out, people. Yay. If you need, if you need an uplifting thing to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Um, I think my lady love is bend the rules for good things mm-hmm. because like we said earlier, Lauren didn't win. And so we're going to have the actual winner of the um of the auction on when, you know, we can get it together to um to record with her. Mm-hmm. But technically, like we weren't supposed to have you on. But it's really awesome because by doing this, not only did I have this incredible experience with you and read this book that I probably wouldn't have read otherwise, but we also doubled the donations that were made to Fair Fight, the New Georgia Project Action Fund, and Black Voters Matter Fund. So it was really awesome. Like that's the best, that's the best outcome that can happen, really. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So bend the rules, man. You don't have to you don't have to do the letter of the law. It's the spirit of the law that matters. <laughs> thank you for being here. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. I have been looking forward to this for so long. Yay. I love you guys. This show is uh, a special part in my life. I just love you. Oh. I love your face. I love your voice. I love oh. you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> Yay! Oh my god, are we friends? No backsies. <laughs> I think we're friends. Yay! All right, so keep being a badass and love yourself as much as Lauren and I love each other. Yes, if you can. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's gotta be. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes. We are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah, Lilas! Okay, back to the show.